With the help of the Lord, I'll preach a sermon or message entitled, The Purpose of Unity. Amen. Let us turn to, to the book of Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1. The Bible says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Praise God. Sounds good. Amen. This is probably a relevant message to preach uh, as the first message of the new year of 2024. Because I can imagine the energy and the, the passion, exuberance that the, the generation of the Tower of Babel felt. It was a, a new time. The earth was still relatively new. And this was the first big common collective project that the world uh, found. And they really were united. And at the beginning of the year, we need to ask ourselves this question. What is unity? What is the purpose of unity? What is the building or the project that we seek to build with unity? Why are we together? Where are we going in 2024? Why do we come together across the nations and feel the sense of oneness across the world? There's some from North America here. There's some from Europe. And I, I don't know where else. And there is that sense in which we know we are one. We have the same Jesus, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, hallelujah, one God, one new Jerusalem, one salvation. We are the most united people in the world because our unity is not only based on citizenship in a country, because what happens when a citizen dies? He has struck off the record of the nation. And he is no longer or she is no longer in unity with the country. She's part of the dead citizens, the former citizens. But the Christians are unique. Because Christians claim that our unity is beyond this world. Our unity transcends this earth. It is forever and ever and ever and ever. Is there any organization that can talk like us? Uh, is there any project like our project? Ask any building contractor in this world. If his project is forever and ever and ever. Ask any prime minister if he's going to sit forever and ever and ever. Even dictators who sat for many, many, many years. They had one enemy. They killed every other enemy. But they could not kill death. The biggest enemy that they knew they can never defeat is death. 
But the Christians, we believe that our unity is forever. It is eternal. We will walk streets of gold in unity. We will live in mansions of glory in unity. We will worship Jesus in perfect harmony forever and ever and ever. This is amazing. The, the, the universe envies the unity of the Christian. But coming back to the early days of the Bible, these people had a purpose for their unity. We will talk about their unity. I want to begin by saying, it is always a beautiful thing to have unity. All who love God will want to dwell in perfect harmony with his will. Unity leads to security. It leads to peace. It leads to progress. It leads to prosperity. Any individual or nations who want to come together, or all individuals and nations who aspire to unity, aspire to something good. We cannot deny that. Every great and worthy goal is only achieved through unity. No wonder the psalmist David praises unity. Did you know that normally we are supposed to praise God? But David in Psalm 133 verses 1 to 3 was actually praising unity. How about that? So he was basically saying this thing called unity is amazing. It's beautiful. He compared it to the Holy Ghost. It's amazing. The unity was compared to the Holy Ghost. Because let's read what he says. In Psalm 133 verses 1 to 3. A song of degrees of David. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. For brethren to dwell together in unity. It. What is it? Unity. Say with me unity. It is like the precious ointment. Upon the head. That ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. You see, when the oil of anointing was poured on the head of the high priest, no one was allowed to interfere with the flow of the oil. It was supposed to flow like the Spirit of God because it was representing the Spirit of God. It was supposed to flow all the way to his feet. The high priest was to be completely immersed in this oil or basically covered with this oil and only then could they say that he's the anointed of the Lord. In the same way, when you travel to the country of Israel today, I don't advise that you do it right now. <laughs> but 
I've been to the top of Mount Hermon. And I remember asking the soldiers there. I said, uh, why is there so much military activity here? She told me, well, first of all, it's Hezbollah. But remember, right here in Mount Hermon, you can see the borders of Syria and at the same time also uh, Lebanon. And actually, this part of Israel is the most vulnerable because this is the source of the River Jordan. And if the enemy can capture this place or destroy uh, this area, then the whole supply of water of Israel will be actually affected. The river Jordan, the word Jordan means to descend. And the river Jordan descends from Mount Hermon. So the river Jordan is not being compared just by accident to, because when David says, as the dew of Hermon, amen. As the dew that descends upon the mountains of Zion. In other words, it is the snow, it is the water that melts on the top of Mount Hermon, which is the source of blessing Israel. So all the blessings, the life of Israel comes from the head. It's like God pours his oil upon Mount Hermon. And the oil flows down to Beersheba, to Jerusalem, and all the way down to Eilat, the southernmost tip of Israel. So unity must begin with the head. And then it will go down to the feet. Amen. You cannot ask the feet to begin with unity. Unity must begin with the head. Amen. The head is the leaders of the church. Praise God. If the leaders, the heads of the church are not in unity, then you cannot expect the feet to be in unity. You cannot expect the grassroots to be in unity, the rank and the file to be in unity. May God give us unity among our, the leaders, praise God. Because only from the leaders, the oil can flow down. So now, once we understand this, and King David praises unity, compares it to the anointing of the Holy Ghost, there are not many things you can compare to the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The anointing of service for the oil to be poured on the head of Aaron and to flow down to his garments, skirts, and down to his feet implies consecrated for the service of God. So where there is no unity, there is no consecration for the work of God. So everybody wants unity. Unity is holy. We believe in unity. But my question today in the message is, what is the purpose of unity? Let's repeat the title. What is the purpose of unity? And today we will learn from the people, the first united nations of the world. The first united nations of the world. I, that's what I should call them.
the first uh, creation of the United Nations of the world, brothers and sisters, ended up in disaster because God himself came and vetoed them out of existence. How about that? Imagine if Jesus were to come to the United Nations and then say to all of them, I'm going to close down this place because it is not of me. Your unity is not of me. And there would be no more United Nations. So what happened must and should be a lesson for all of us. Yes, I'll repeat again. It is laudable. It is commendable. It is wonderful. If a person or a group aspires to unity, you should aspire to unity. Jesus prayed for our unity because unity needs prayer. Unity cannot be taken for granted. Unity must be constantly, there must be people praying for unity. But if we gather together for the wrong purpose, if Jesus is not in our unity, we are going to suffer great loss, tremendous loss that we cannot even begin to imagine. So I ask and I challenge you, brothers and sisters, wherever you are, in this beginning of the new year, let us look again at the purpose of our unity. Why have we come together? What is the purpose of our fellowship, our organizations? What is the purpose of the Jesus alone is God church in Europe or whatever you may call your fellowship? We need to pray. We need to study the word of God. We need to ask the Lord whether the purpose of our unity is acceptable in his sight, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So, just as the organs in the human body are united through the blood that courses through the veins and the arteries, similarly, the human spirit can only be united by the Spirit of God, which is compared to oil flowing gracefully from the head to the toe. Amen. So when we think of unity, a good metaphor is the human body, which is something the Apostle Paul himself employs when he talks about unity. And he drives home his point so forcefully. There is no part of the body which can say, I don't need the other part. I assure you, as you know yourself, when one part of your body begins to ache, the entire body is united in responding to that part of the body. All other parts of the body are forgotten. Only the part which aches will receive full attention. May God give us such unity that when one part of the body of Christ aches. The entire body of Christ will respond, will pay attention. Amen. That is the kind of unity which God would love. 
So coming back to our text today, the key text in Genesis 11, 1, the Bible says, now the people of the earth had one language and one speech. Praise God. This means that they not only shared the same language, but they also said the same thing. I can tell you that there are some countries today where people have speak the same language. But you would not think that they actually speak the same language because there are 50 wars in that same country where they speak one language. I can tell you right now, one such example is Somalia. When you look at criteria for being united, Somalia today should be the most united country in the world. One language, one religion, one ancestry at the end of the day. In every way, they are one. And yet, they have never known proper or sustained a sustained peace. So to speak the same language does not translate automatically into unity. It is a great blessing when we speak the same language and also have the same mind. But I don't need for you to understand <laughs> that if we don't speak the same language, there can never be unity. Can somebody say amen? Are you with me? Can, can we contradict the Bible? This is why we told some brothers and sisters, look, we love you. And we are striving hard to be in unity with you. But even the Bible says that if you don't speak the same language, you cannot be in unity. I cannot. I cannot... <laughs> Are you with me? Amen. People need to understand this. Show me a church where they're in one place and they're speaking many languages and then I'll tell you I'm wrong. But as far as I know, it is with great, great, great pain and struggle that you can have one people in one church speaking many languages. So please understand what I'm saying. We were trying to, uh, we were tolerant of a model, is, is what I should say, that we knew from the beginning is doomed to failure because, let me, I wish, I wish it would work, brothers and sisters, for the love of Christ. But we have tried for 22 years, we tried. It doesn't work. And that's why I tell everybody, I love you. But if we do not agree firstly about language in the church, then I'm afraid it's just a matter of time before we will be unable to work together. This is the power of language. Because in the beginning was the word. Amen. And in the end, there will be the word. The word is a mysterious power. The word is God himself. If we cannot understand God, how can we live with God? And God speaks to us in our language. Amen. He speaks to you in your language. He is the word. He gave all these languages. But only God can understand all these languages. When it comes to humans, the different languages were our punishment. <laughs> it may surprise you, but... 
when you speak a different language and I do speak a different language, it's a punishment from God. So that we will not, it's God's insurance against future rebellion against him. Let me repeat it. The fact that you speak another language than I do, or people speak different languages, is God's insurance policy against the future Tower of Babel. Hallelujah. So I admire the efforts of people who want to have translation devices, want to have Google Translates. But it's doomed to failure, brothers and sisters. It doesn't work. <laughs> and that's why we are telling everybody, make sure your unity is based on the word of God. Otherwise, it will not work. Because we are trying to contradict what God said. So let's begin with the facts. Amen. Let's say the facts of unity. The facts of the word of God. Feel free to contradict me later in the question and answer sessions if you want. But it is an insurance, uh, uh, not assurance, but insurance. God's insurance policy against a future tower of Babel. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's go back to the beginning. We keep making the same mistakes because we don't go back to the beginning. When Jesus was teaching the children of Israel, he kept reminding them it was not so in the beginning. Amen. Why do you think Americans are here today? God bless them. Because I think they understand the language I'm speaking very clearly. It's a big, big, big part of why they are here. In fact, it's a major part of why they're here. If I were to change the language, I wouldn't be seeing them after some time. So language, brothers and sisters, is, plays a key part. I'm here to remind you of that, to raise consciousness. If we are going to win souls in the countries where we are, you cannot escape the fact of fact of language. You must pray. You must take serious. The fact of the language of your country. Or you will never be able to gather people together. You will never be able to have a church together. You will be doomed to be looking for the few people who speak your language only. What kind of a vision is this? Let's pray. Your country is my country. Your people is my people. Who said this? Ruth. I'm sure you could add that. Your language will be my language. Hallelujah. May God help us. May God help us. I'm speaking about why so-called unity does not work. I'm a, I'm a researcher. I'm, I'm an analyst. I, I, I don't just like to talk big things. I, I have visions. But I also look at the nitty-gritty. I'm trying to analyze things. I'm telling you. Research shows we don't need really to be told, but in case you're wondering, look at where the conflicts in the world are today. Did you know that many of them have to do with language? Why do you think Quebec and Canada, and the Canadians here can say men, <laughs> why do you think the Quebecois have threatened often to secede to separate from Canada, the rest of Canada, because of French brothers and sisters. 
because of French. So when there was going to be division in Canada, one of the most stable countries in the world, it was because the French people felt that their language was being ignored by Ottawa. And so they wanted to establish their own independent country with their capital in their area, maybe Montreal or whatever. So you don't play with people's languages. It's a matter of identity. Remember what I said, it's God's insurance policy against the future tower of Babylon. Amen. So countries have fought wars to preserve their language. There are people today who are being oppressed because of their language. Turkey, Turkey, the country of Turkey oppresses the Kurdish people. They try to ban them from speaking Kurdish and so on and so forth. There was a time that Oromo people were not allowed to speak their language, Oromania. I'm not a politician, I'm just speaking the facts. So we have to be aware of this. Maybe tomorrow the Oromo, maybe the majority, there may be the most powerful group and they may oppress others and not allow them to speak their language. Human beings keep changing, shifting the power balance. So we need to understand, firstly, there is no unity without language. Remember what I'm saying? There is no unity without a proper foundation and understanding of the machinations or the dynamics of language. Let that be clear. Look at the map of the world, study language. Look at how Switzerland has solved the problem of language. Switzerland has Italian, they have German, they have French. Once you enter those areas, you have to respect that language. The education is in that language. And they're able to, they have found a federal system that works. If tomorrow Switzerland begins to play around with the languages and its borders, there will be war. So let's first understand some things which we were not talking about before. You know, when people want to colonize you, when they come with an agenda to have power over you, they won't tell you why they are speaking a foreign language in your country. They won't tell you. They will act like it's common sense. There was a guy called Antonio Gramsci. He was a critical thinker. He said, be careful of those who make it sound like it's natural. You may ask somebody, excuse me, why are you speaking Japanese in Germany? And they may say, but it's, it's natural. Why are you even asking this question? You see, common sense. He said, be careful of those who will come and tell you it's common sense, it's natural. It's another way of hijacking power. It's a way of doing a coup d'etat over you. No, 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 remind them, excuse me. I'm in Germany, I'm in France, I'm in Holland, I'm in Norway. Why do you insist on taking the pulpit and speaking in a language that is not the language of the majority? 
We believe in equality in our country. The word of God is for everyone. Why are you excluding people in Norway from hearing the word of God in their language? When Jesus came to this earth, he didn't even speak in Hebrew in the Galilee. He spoke a language which is what's called a corruption of Hebrew, Aramaic. How about that? How about that? If anybody thought that Hebrew is a holy language, I have news for you. I had a minister once told me Hebrew is like a language. Maybe Adam spoke Hebrew in the beginning. I said, what? Adam spoke Hebrew? Hebrew is a holy language. So why didn't God speak Hebrew when he came in flesh? Why did he speak a corrupt form of Hebrew called Aramaic that the people of Jerusalem looked down upon? Aramaic was a mixture of Hebrew and Syrian. It was a language that basically those who came from the Babylonian captivity and the Assyrian captivity were speaking. This was the same language that Ezra did not like. Ezra wanted to get rid of it. But Jesus spoke Aramaic. Because all the common people in that area spoke Aramaic. If you speak Pidgin English and God came in flesh to your country and they spoke what is called Pidgin English, he would speak Pidgin English. If you speak uh, Espanol in Miami, Spanish, Jesus would speak Spanish then. If you speak the King's English in London and Jesus came in flesh to London, he would speak the King's English. I have become all things to all men that I may win some. Amen. Praise God. So let's stop playing games about language. Let's follow the example of our God. Hallelujah. Let's stop this power games, power agendas. Much of what human beings do is about power. And we must be trained by the Holy Ghost to detect power and stop somebody. Excuse me, what are you doing? What do you mean it's natural? What do you mean it's common sense? Hallelujah. May God help us. So, unity. We are speaking about unity. It begins with language. Or it ends with language. Are you with me? All the people who spoke the same language went together. In those days, nobody went with somebody who did not speak their language. Unity was by language to begin with. Because language is the word. Language is identity. Language is belonging. Language is emotions. Language is self-expression. Language is thoughts. Hallelujah. In which language do you think? In which language do you, does God speak to you? When he told Paul, the Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, Saul, Saul, why persecute his army? He said he spoke in the Hebrew tongue. So that tells you the mother tongue, the father tongue, the native language of the apostle Paul was Hebrew. Amen. But he spoke Greek. But when God spoke to him, he spoke to him in his mother tongue. He didn't speak to him in Aramaic. But when Jesus spoke to Peter, he spoke in Aramaic. Are you with me? Hallelujah. <laughs> Aramaic for Peter, James and John. Hebrew for Saul of Tarsus. Because he's a polished Jew. 
He's a sophisticated Jew who sat and learned at the feet of Gamaliel. He's a Pharisee. He believes in the purity of the language. Jesus speaks to you in your language. He gave you your language as a punishment. <laughs> if I may add, with all due respect, somebody says, oh, how I love my language. Well, you got it as a punishment from God, whether you accept it or not. Amen. So we need to understand the word of God. We need to say, Lord Jesus, we are beginning to understand the mystery of language. God wants you to know your language, have your language. Don't be ashamed of your language. In the same place, Jesus can speak. I believe Jesus spoke in Greek to Cornelius or what? Amen. In which language did the man of Macedonia speak to Saul of Tarsus, Paul, the Apostle Paul? In which language? Can you imagine a man of Macedonia speaking in Chinese to the Apostle Paul? Doesn't make sense. He spoke in Greek. It's his mother tongue. Alexander the greatest from Macedonia. God respects everybody's language. That's not the issue. I'm saying have your language. But understand. That in your country, the place of power is the pulpit. From the pulpit, the people have the right in your country to hear the word of God in their mother tongue. They should not live 100 meters away from you and come to the pulpit to say, men and brethren, what shall, you do? what shall we do? And you speak to them in French while you are in Norway. God have mercy. May we... Make sure that the language of the pulpit and the language of the village is the same. The language of the pulpit and the language of the city is the same in the country where you are. This is my prayer for you in the new year. With God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. With God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. If you learn the language of your country and pray and say, Lord, I want to Reach people with this language. Do you know you don't need a big voc vocabulary to save people? Amen. You don't need to speak too much to save people. When God sends people to you, they're already ready. What shall we do? How long does it take to quote Acts 2.38? How long does it take to say Jesus is God? How many words do you need to learn to tell somebody Jesus is God, that God is one? Be baptized in Jesus' name. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Say, my English or my French or my German is broken. That is all God needs, a few words in your broken language to break somebody's spirit. Hallelujah. It's not about how fluent and how eloquent you are. It is about how anointed you are in Jesus' name. It is about how burdened you are for the soul. I would rather prefer to hear a preacher speak in a broken, broken English or broken Norwegian. And I cry and I'm broken. Than to hear somebody speak like Aristotle or Socrates or whatever. And... I begin to wonder after two hours, what is the guy talking about, by the way? 
I've just wasted two hours of my life. So may God help us to understand the importance of language. Pray for it. Because I'm convinced without understanding this, we will not be able to be effective. We will not be able to have revival. With God, all things are possible, but it begins there. Coming back to our text. You see, when their leaders or spokespersons spoke in the Tower of Babel, they truly spoke on behalf of everyone, barring none. They were so united. This is unity of speech and of mind. One accord. Such unity is very powerful. Humans have accomplished great things, mighty things in the past through such unity. Among others, countries have been founded on such unity. Scientists have conquered space, even landed on the moon through unity. Diseases have been er eradicated through unity. Dangerous dictators have been defeated through unity. And even on the level of more banal spheres such as entertainment, sports teams have attained glory through unity. How often do we hear them in their jubilation afterwards say, it was a team effort. That's the mantra that we hear. All great things that have been accomplished, brothers and sisters, many of them have been accomplished through unity. Now let's continue in the saga of the journey of our early ancestors in Genesis 11 verse 2. Genesis 11 verse 2 says, It came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. So they journeyed from the east. Every journey has a purpose. But God was not part of their purpose. They found the plain of Shinar and they dwelt there. Who did they consult? Certainly not God. Unity which ignores God is always doomed to end in disaster. Does this not sound like the prophet Lot? We remember the scripture in the book of Genesis chapter 13 and verse 10. Genesis chapter 13 and verse 10. The Bible says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoah. Let us beware of the unity of the people which does not seek the counsel of God. Amen. Before you join yourself to some cause, please consult Jesus first. Please ask the people, have you talked to God? What did God tell you? Amen. When you see them carrying flags full of activist um, passion, ask them. Um, and they say, come and join us. Whom did you consult? Is God with you? Is God in the camp? Is the pillar 
of fire in your midst? Is the Ark of Covenant, so to speak, in your midst? If not, don't join them. So let us beware of this unity of the people which does not seek the counsel of God. Jehoshaphat was truly a God-fearing king. Ahab, the evil king of Israel, wanted Jehoshaphat, his friend, to join him. But you know what was one of the best things Jehoshaphat did which saved him his life? Jehoshaphat asked to consult the Lord God of Israel first. We know the story. The prophets united in their pronouncement that the kings would defeat the enemy. Yeah? How many prophets were there? All zealously prophesying. I would have loved to have heard the sound of 400 false prophets prophesying. The prophets were united in their pronouncements. But thank God. Thank God. Jehoshaphat was a man made of some other <laughs> spiritual stuff. <laughs> he listened to all 400 prophesying. He sat there. Because he knows God, God told him, these prophets are liars. Brothers and sisters, when the prophets of Ahab are prophesying around you, will we be flattered? You say, this is a clear sign. All of them are in unity. What is your problem, Joshua? 400 prophets here and you, you're still not satisfied. There is a spirit in us that knows whether unity is from God or not from God. Are you with me? One man, Jehoshaphat, knew that this unity was not from God. I think now you're beginning to understand the core of my message. Not all unity is from Jesus. It takes a special person to understand that. It takes a very special person who is very close to God to know when everybody in the Tower of Babel, you know, there was not one person at the Tower of Babel who could discern that this unity is not from God. That is the tragedy of the Tower of Babel generation. Not one. Thank God for a Jehoshaphat. There was a pastor, a Lutheran pastor called Dietrich Bonhoeffer from Germany. A young man. There's a picture of him. When all the Lutheran pastors and churches, so-called Christian churches in Nazi Germany made the Heil Hitler sign, lifted up their right hand and hailed Hitler. There's a picture of Dietrich Bonhoeffer with his hands down. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was our times Jehoshaphat. He could discern that this strange man with a strange mustache, there's something fishy about this guy. I'm not going to praise this guy. Although every other pastor in Germany is saying, Heil Hitler, I reserve judgment in Jesus' name until I watch this man. For by their fruits you shall know them. 
So be careful of the power of the crowd, brothers and sisters, in 2024. Be careful of what your friends are doing, of what the crowds are doing, of what the majority are doing. We have never been in the business of the majority. I thank God, I really don't know how to run with the majority. If anything, I'm the opposite. When everybody's going in one direction, I stop and say, uh, why are they going in that direction? Why is everybody running? I will not run with you. I'm not going to walk with you until I find, find out where you're going. So I thank God that from my birth, <laughs> I didn't have the privilege of being with my people or my country. I was always an outsider. I was the perennial outsider. Till today, I speak from the third space. I have no country. Only heaven is my country. I have no, no God except Jesus, who was not the God of my father and my people. I chose my own way in life. It costs a lot. You cannot be weak. God has to give you strength. So I'm conditioned to be this way by the mercy of God. But I feel sorry for some people who from birth, they are surrounded by a sea of support, a sea of belonging. They have not learned to think for themselves. They have been given what to think. They have been told how to feel, who their people are, what they will do, what they shall eat, what they shall wear how they shall vote, which gun they will pick up, which flag will be draped over their bodies. I'm not saying that's wrong. But what happens one day when a Hitler comes to power? What happens one day when an Ahab will be your friend, will take power? I thank God for Jesus Christ who gave us a new birth. Say with me, new birth. Amen. Who separated us from our mother's womb. Hallelujah. So that there is no Greek, no Gentile, no Jew, no woman, no male, no nothing. But we are all now the children of Jesus Christ through baptism in Jesus' name. Be proud of your new identity. Don't sacrifice the new birth on the altar of conformity. To be like everybody else. Jesus delivered you from it. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Abraham, leave your country, your people, praise God. We are proud to live in the Jesus space. In that third space. Because we don't want to be, we want to be prepared when the Antichrist comes. And he says, you know what? You will lose your passport. You will lose access to this and to access to that and access to this. We've been preparing for you, my friend. Uh, I shouldn't call him my friend. <laughs> He's not our friend. We've been, we've, been, what, we've been waiting for a guy like you. We've been warned. 
And so we already prepared ourselves. That's why Abraham told the king of Sodom, it will never be said that the king of Sodom gave Abraham anything. Ah, look at the mindset of father Abraham. He doesn't want to be dependent on evil people. You know, I always pray to Jesus and I pray for you that you will never be under the power of evil people. I pray to Jesus, I will never be under the power of even good people in Jesus. <laughs> I want to only be under the power of Jesus. So when people come to me, they cannot say, hey, remember what we did for you. You know, I can stop this. You can't stop nothing. Amen. I'm free in Jesus. And if I talk to you, I choose to do so. We are, you be free, I be free. And then we will talk together as free citizens in Jesus. name. That is the best unity. But if you are dependent on me for something, or I'm dependent on you for something, what kind of unity is that? First, we must all be free. We must all be liberated in Jesus' name. Only then can we have genuine unity amongst each other. Hallelujah. May 2024 be the year of your liberation in Jesus' name. The year of your emancipation in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. May this be the year you are free of every bondage. And you can shout free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, free at last. Praise God. Amen. No system oppressing you. May this be the year in Jesus' name. So coming back to our friend Jehoshaphat. What a great man of God. One has to be righteous and courageous in order to reject the united prophesying of 400, 100 prophets of, 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 who claim to be prophets of God. Who can resist such prophesying? Some apostolic people have a problem to resist one Trinitarian prophet, so-called prophet. What if 400 Trinitarian prophets come to you? You know that they're all prophesying. They're all now. Where are the spirit? Where's the spirit that was in the prophets of Ahab? They're in these Trinitarian prophets. I don't mind telling you that. How is it? I can be in an apostolic church for years and I don't hear one prophecy. And then I go for 10 minutes into a Trinitarian church and I, have, I hear 50 prophecies. What does that tell you? The spirit of the prophets of Ahab are all well and alive in the Trinitarian de denominational churches. I don't mind telling you this. We are not here to be popular. I'm telling you the truth. Be careful what you hear when you go to a church that does not respect the first and the greatest of all commands. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. If you find yourself in that place, of course, you should expect false spirits, false prophets. Yesterday I was saying in the prayer meeting, when Elijah prayed to God on Mount Carmel. Do you know why God answered within seconds he sent fire? Because God will always passionately defend the one God doctrine. The first prayer of Elijah was for God to prove that he is one. And the fire came immediately. But you know what? And listen carefully. It took a long time for Elijah to pray for the rain to come. Seven times he had to pray. Why? Because the rain 
was for the bodies of the people. It's for their physical comfort. It is not for the one God doctrine. But for the one God doctrine to confirm it, God answered in seconds. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen. So when it comes to this greatest of all commands, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. God will send the fire immediately when you pray. He will defend it with fire. But when it comes to other things, you need a shirt this year. You need rain. I'm afraid you will have to twist and contort your body and pray hard seven times. God is in the business of first defending his truth. Hallelujah. For his truth, he will do anything. He came in flesh to prove to us that he is one God. Because when God was manifested in the flesh and all that was God was in him, it was in one body because he's one. If he was three, he would come in three bodies. What is wrong with God to be born as triplets? How difficult is, is it for God to be born as triplets? Amen. Do you think it's a problem for God to be born? If God was two, he would be born as twins. Amen. There would be no problem. He would give two names to himself. His name shall be called Yeshua and something else. If he was three, there would be three babies in the womb of Mary. But the fact that there was one baby, hallelujah, and God had many witnesses who came, Mary herself, hallelujah, there was one baby kicking in a womb, not three. The poor woman would be overwhelmed if there was a trinity in her womb. God have mercy, hallelujah. No trinity in the womb of Mary, only one God. Say, God was manifested in the flesh. Great is the mystery of godliness. First Timothy 3. Why? Because not triplets, but one God was manifested in the flesh. There were witnesses of his birth. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord. Isaiah 43, verse 10. Before me there was no God. Neither shall there be after me. And beside me there is no God. And when he was born, he had witnesses from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south. They came from heaven even, from the north. And they, God asked him, how many children were born? How many gods are born? Oh, how, how many flesh was there? One. <laughs> one. <laughs> Amen. There was one body because God is one. If God is three, there will be three bodies. Tell that to the Trinitarians in Jesus' name. Praise. That's our New Year's message for them. So, this message is not about the Trinitarians, but, you know, when you come, if you're told that you're going to have a meal and it's about uh, uh, the, the, the main course is chicken, it doesn't mean that you won't get something else on the side. Amen. And this is not a side issue. This is really the main issue. Amen. But coming back, uh, that's a challenge. Always a good preacher must come back. Hallelujah. Conform to the message. Let's read 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 7 and 8, what King Jehoshaphat says. 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 7 and 8. We are speaking about the purpose of unity. 
And all these things I'm mentioning along the way are relevant to unity in Jesus' name. First, committee, First Kings 22 verse 7 says, And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we may inquire of him? Hallelujah. Isn't this wonderful? You see, there may be 400 lying tongues, but God needs only one prophet. Say one. The devil has 400. He cannot cheat us. God has only one. God needs only one. First Kings 22 verse 8 says, And the king of Israel said unto Joshua, There is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him. For he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Joshua said, let not the king say so. Isn't it interesting that we are not even the writer of the book of First Kings so despised King Ahab that he just didn't want to mention his name. But he mentions the name of Jehoshaphat and he mentions this one prophet, Micaiah. Can we all say Micaiah, the son of Imla? If you forget any other name today, don't forget this name. Say Micaiah. We honor him in Jesus' name. And we honor his father. See the honor he brought his father, the son of Imla. I feel sorry for the mother. She should be honored too. But that was the tradition. But you see, Micaiah, the son of Imla. We don't know the names of 400 prophets, so-called prophets, because they're liars. God doesn't want to write the name of 400 liars in his book. But he writes the name of one true prophet, Micaiah, the son of Imla. May God make us a Micaiah, the son of Imla. You see what happens when you refuse to run with the crowds? This poor Micaiah was never invited Today we would say he was never invited for a cup of tea or cup of coffee. He was never invited to hold a speech. He was never invited for anything. That was his punishment for being in disunity. See, I asked, what is the purpose of unity? I hope I'm speaking to some young people today. Young person, do not seek the unity of the world. God can give you strength to be alone. To be alone is not a sign of loneliness and weakness. It's a sign of strength in the name of Jesus. A person who can enjoy the company of Jesus alone is the strongest purpose person on this earth. Everybody who knows me will tell you if, he, if he's alone, he enjoys himself. Because I'm not alone, I'm with Jesus. I'm with Jesus. Amen. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other could ever know. Beautiful song. I've sung it for many years. No one can understand the joy between me and Jesus. Train yourself to be alone with Jesus. And you will see that you don't necessarily need the company of the world. In the beginning, it was only Adam and God. The Christian must understand this in a world 
that wants to tell you that you cannot exist without being connected, without likes and shares and subscribe. I pray to God one of these days he will return and kill, like, subscribe, amen, and share in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Bury it in Armageddon in Jesus. I, I can't follow with that word. I don't even know if I've ever clicked a like button or I may have done maybe once since the internet came. And I regret it many years ago. I find it's all strange, so artificial. I would rather meet you, a human being, and smile and say, show you that I like you by being in your company, not by pressing a button on some screen. And I don't even know where you are. And you may be a serial killer. God have mercy. And I'm pressing the like button. God have mercy. So we need the spirit of Micaiah. Somebody say the spirit of Micaiah. Have you noticed that my message is actually about those who discern and resist false unity, which is not from God? This is what I'm actually speaking about. What is the purpose of unity? There is a good unity. We'll preach about it someday. But I'm afraid as we are going towards the age that the Apostle Paul warned about in the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of themselves, unthankful, unholy. My goodness. If we do not learn today the power of solitude with Jesus, the power of strength in the company of Christ alone, then I'm afraid we will be swept away by this perilous world that is already here. The people who look at you and say, why aren't you on Facebook? Why aren't you on Twitter or whatever they call it now, X? Why aren't you here and there? That's the time the, the Micaiah, Micaiah would say, why are you troubling me? Why are you asking me this question? <laughs> I'm not interested in Jesus' name. I've had students who told me, we've Googled you, we didn't find much except some academic publications and some Christian books. I smiled. I said, I'm very happy for that. Thank you. I'm very proud. They were shocked. You're proud? Yes, I'm actually proud. Because the less you can find of me on your social media, if there are zero trace, the happier I am. Praise God. We speak from the position of strength of Micaiah. Not from the position of corruption and weakness of the 400 prophets of Baal. This is what we need to teach our young people. Why do young people begin with drugs? Why do they begin with alcohol? Why do their lives get messed up? Because they choose to swim downstream. With the crowds. If you can't beat them, join them. And then they beat you. Yeah. The world is not happy until they see you addicted and suffering. They want to know your problems. They don't want to know about your success. They will be eat, eaten by envy. Oh, please don't tell me you got a promotion. I dreaded that news. But then they will put on a false smile and say, oh, congratulations. Oh, so wonderful. That's the world we live in today. 
Many of my successes God gave me, I didn't tell many people. Can you imagine becoming a professor and you don't tell people at your job you became a professor? Because what, what, what do I need from the world? Nothing. I'm happy without the world. I only need the world to know about Jesus. It's enough to thank Jesus for his blessing. So, understand how to deal with this world. I'm talking about wisdom. To live with wisdom in Christ in this world. Otherwise, the world will defeat you. We have been promised through Christ to overcome the world. Say with me, overcome the world. This is the promise of Jesus. When I have problems, I tell him, Lord, you promised me. I will overcome through you. Am I going to be defeated? Will life put its big boots on my head? Or will I be the one to put my boots on the head of life in Jesus? So I'm speaking to some young person too. Because young people are vulnerable. They want to please people. They want to, they don't want to go against the grain. They don't want to swim upstream. What was Micaiah made out of the son of Imna? He was in unity with God. That's what he was made out of. Can we promise each other this year? Say, I will be in unity with Jesus. I will be in unity with Jesus. Hallelujah. I know Sister Mary, the wife of Bishop Tekle, one of her favorite sayings was always, one with God is a majority. <laughs> I can't forget that. She would always say it. One person with God is a majority. We say, yes, Sister Mary. We agree. One with God is a majority. So it doesn't mean that we are anti-crowds. doesn't mean that we, you know, we're not afflicted by some uh, psychological problem. Don't misunderstand. What we are saying is when you are in unity with Jesus, then you become like Jehoshaphat, like Micaiah. We are not eager for the applause of the world. It's a sign of weakness. If a person cannot function unless there is an audience clapping for you. Some of the greatest acts achieved in the pages of the Bible were people who there was nobody there. Who was there to clap for Noah? Who? Who? Just his family? Your family are not the greatest audience. You want others to clap for you. 120 years, Noah was preaching. He couldn't win one person. Everybody hated him. They ridiculed him. He went into the ark. No admirers. Nobody to massage his ego. If we need an audience, brothers and sisters, we're in trouble. The only, only audience we need in 2024 is Jesus. Say amen. The only audience I need in 2024 is Jesus. Are you happy, Jesus? Then I'm happy. It doesn't matter if all the Pharisees are gnashing their teeth at me and are gathering stones to kill me. As long as Jesus is happy, what does it matter? So, who is your audience in 2024? Why do you join with others in a so-called unity that is not from God? 
in Jesus' name. So Micaiah, the son of Imla, came that day. And in the beginning, he just said, okay, go. You will be successful. <laughs> Ahab told him, stop lying to me. I know you. <laughs> you see, you know, it's a tragedy when the only true prophet of God says to you, go, go, do what your prophets are saying. When he refuses to give you the word of God. It means God has given up on Ahab. He wants him to go and die. He was going to die anyhow. But you know what? Because of Jehoshaphat, he spoke. And he said what God told him to say. I saw all of Israel scattered. Sheep with no shepherd. Jehoshaphat knew here is the voice of God. He knew it. I don't know why he still went. That was the weakness of Jehoshaphat. When you are in unity with Ahab, it does not end well. That day God taught him a lesson. You see the world at the end of the day, he wanted to change his garments with him. He wanted him to die. What kind of friend is that? Never believe the Ahabs of this world are your friends. They're not. If they don't love the one God doctrine, if they are living with the Jezebel, don't expect much from them. Don't even be near them. And that day, Jehoshaphat escaped with his life, but he almost died. So, where are we now? Once again, beware the unity that is not from the Lord Jesus Christ. It will lead to disaster. So, one of the greatest recorded losses in the pages of the Bible was at the Tower of Babylon. The people of the Tower of Babylon lost their unity. They lost their city. They lost their tower. And worst of all, their language. Their unity had great purpose, but that purpose was contrary to the will and command of God. What did God say in Genesis 1.28? God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and of the, over the fowl of the, of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. To replenish is to fill the earth, but the generation of the Tower of Babel intentionally rebelled against this command. Can we say replenish, replenish? Replenish means move about. Amen. God told Abraham, walk up and down the land. Hallelujah. Even the devil knows this. When God asked him in the book of Job, where have you been? He said, I've been going to and through the whole earth. <laughs> He's trying to replenish the earth with his evil. God have mercy. It's not for the devil, but for good people to replenish the earth. How much would they have accomplished if they were united in the will of the Lord? What was the price for God's greatest promise in the book of Joel to be fulfilled? It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Joel 2.28 2, 
The price was for 120 disciples to be in one mind, in one accord, eagerly praying for and anticipating the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That was the price. Do you want the Holy Ghost to come? It will need unity. In one place, in one accord. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Is there a greater prophecy and its fulfillment than the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the entire Bible? With all due respect, even the physical return of the Lord is not greater than the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Lord will only rapture those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you know what's the best way to prepare for the coming of Jesus? Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 9, But you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In fact, the second return of the Lord in Armageddon is the judgment of the world. It is a good thing for the people of God to be in unity, in one mind, one accord, to receive the Holy Spirit. This should be the purpose of unity. So now I'm answering you what, what unity is not and what unity is. You see, Jesus has to return and he will return at a time in the Holy Ghost. He's already here, but let's say, why do we talk about the return of Jesus if, we, if Jesus has not returned in us in the Holy Ghost? You have to be in one mind, one spirit in order to receive. That's, this is why the church gathers together. This is the why, why when we assemble together, we should not quarrel. We should forgive each other. Amen. Put aside because every discord, every disagreement. Why? So that somebody can get the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. When the church comes together, brothers and sisters, please do not allow discord, anger, put it aside. You are hindering the Holy Ghost from falling upon somebody. Maybe it took 10 days for the Holy Ghost to fall on the day of Pentecost because they were not in one mind. It was only on the 10th day, the Bible says, when they were in one mind. Say one mind, one accord. This is the true purpose of unity. I don't know about other purposes, but if we understand what I'm saying today and we gather together in one mind, one accord, and we say today, that sister can get the Holy Ghost. That brother can get the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost didn't fall because for so long we've been in discord. God will do something. Praise God. Hallelujah. I pray we will find that magical moment of one mind, one accord in 2024 in our churches all over Europe, all over North America, wherever you're joining me from, where when the Bible says when they were in one place, somebody say one place. They were in one mind. Somebody say one mind. Say one accord. That's what it takes for the Holy Ghost to come. Praise God. So this should be the purpose of unity. 
we all come back full circle to the Tower of Babel even in the end of the time. Because Revelation 17 verse 13 says, These all have one mind, shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Do you know that the Antichrist himself cannot come until the world is in one mind? Even the devil is limited by unity. God have mercy. When you see the world having one mind, nobody can stop them. To worship this son of perdition, the beast, this evil person, know then that the time is right. For this man to step on, onto the world's scene. Even that requires unity. And be assured the world will be in unity. So. From the time of the Tower of Babel. Thousands of years later. The world will be in unity again. But the purpose of this unity is unholy. This will be the last time the world will be in an unholy unity. For an unholy purpose. Let me repeat that again. This will be the last time the world will be in an unholy unity. For an unholy purpose. Hallelujah. Philippians 1 verse 27. Philippians 1 27 says. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent. I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Let this be the purpose of our unity in 2024. To strive together for the faith of the gospel. It will reap eternal benefit. God will bless this unity. See the unity of the apostles and first Christians in Jerusalem. Listen to what it says in the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 44 to 47. And all that believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their bread with their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I want to conclude this message by saying, may the Lord Jesus give us the unity of the apostles in 2024 to strive together for the gospel. May he give us discerning to know what unity is not from God. May he give us grace. To cherish. A solitude with him. Which blesses our souls. When we are not able to be with the. With the congregation of the Lord. But under no circumstances. Should we. Run with the crowds. The madness of the crowds. May God help us in 2024 to display the, the spirit of discerning as Micaiah, Jehoshaphat, and the Apostle Paul. And may the Lord help us to draw valuable lessons from the unity that led to disaster. 
as it was in the Tower of Babel. And the, the most disastrous of them all, the unity at Armageddon. But more than anything, may the Lord help us to, to cherish, to aspire to the unity of the day of Pentecost. The unity that attracts the Holy Ghost. So that many saints of God will be filled with the Holy Ghost in 2024. I pray that in all our conferences, beginning in February in London, UK, I'm happy to share with you that Brother Newhouse is going to join us with his wife from the USA. We look forward to receiving him. He's confirmed he's booked his ticket. He loves this truth. And we're looking forward to receiving. The conferences after that, the main conference in August, again in London, in October in Holland, Netherlands with Brother Lash and the family of God in The Hague. And the before that, even during Easter, we have in our local churches. And at the end of the year, in Sweden, I want to thank Siska Smerit, Siska Oskid, two people were able to host a beautiful conference. The power of two, where two or more agree in my name, Jesus. We had full confidence. I never worried for one day about the developments. You, you would have thought that we returned from Sweden. We had a fantastic time. You would have thought that a big church arranged the conference. That is the grace God gives two people in unity. Amen. So I believe in Jesus' name, wherever we congregate, wherever we come together, remember we are not just purchasing tickets or saving money to go to conferences so that we can just say, oh, tick boxes. No. We are going to be in unity so, the, so that the Holy Ghost will fall upon somebody. May the Holy Ghost fall in London. May the Holy Ghost fall again in London. May the Holy Ghost fall in the, the Hague. May the Holy Ghost fall in Norway. May it fall in Sweden. May it fall in Canada, Toronto. May the Holy Ghost fall in Dallas, Texas, and wherever else you are. Amen. In the world, wide world, wherever you're joining us from, in the name of Jesus Christ, may you, in 2024, enact or strive for such a unity that will attract the Holy Ghost to fall. So now I hope I've answered basically the question, what is the purpose of unity? Can we all say together, for the Holy Ghost to fall? For the Holy Ghost to fall. It's not for politics. It's not for anything else. Let's say it's for the Holy Ghost to fall. That's Switzerland. Amen. Yes, let's not forget Switzerland. Amen. We believe, we are going to pray. We, we expect there will be a conference in Switzerland. Praise God. And may the, may the Holy Ghost fall in Switzerland with Brother Shebin. So I don't doubt that one person in that country can prepare a conference for us. Feel free. Prepare a conference. We'll come in Jesus' name. And we will strive. Saving money, sacrificing. It's part of the unity. Part of the unity. What is a unity which costs nothing? Even the people of the Tower of Babylon, they paid a price for their unity. They journeyed from the east. That's a big sacrifice. Eh? 
Ahab brings together 400 prophets. I can tell you these were the most deceitful, corrupt people. But they put together a big effort that day. They were in unity to speak. Even the devil disciplines his people to be in unity. He has to slap some of the demons and tell them, don't forget, our purpose is greater than our disunity. So unity never comes easy. The purpose is worth it. May Jesus help us in 2024. Let's pray together in conclusion. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this message. There are many things we were unable to accomplish in 2023, perhaps because of a lack of unity. But I thank you. You're the God of a new year, a new opportunity. I pray that the projects that are incomplete will be completed through unity in Jesus' name. A Holy Ghost enable unity in 2024 in the name of Jesus. Brick by brick, wall by wall, hallelujah, structure by structure. Help us, Jesus, to accomplish the projects that we have left. Let the project of Nehemiah be successful. Let us finish building the wall. Let us arise and build in 2024 in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I thank you for this message. Give us the strength that you gave Micaiah, the son of Imla. Give us the strength and the discerning you gave Jehoshaphat, the holy man of God, the king of Judah. Give us, Lord Jesus, the strength that Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the young German Lutheran pastor had, who refused to say Heil Hitler. Give us grace, my God, to give everything for the unity that will bring down your own Holy Ghost. Fulfill the prophets, the prophecy of Joel 2.20. Help us to understand what unity is and what unity is not in 2024. And help us not to join the prophets, the false prophets that prophesied, but help us if necessary to be alone for the sake of the truth. Give us that strength and that grace. All of this we pray in the name of Jesus in the new year. And the church says amen. God bless you. We thank the Lord for your love for him in 2024. I greet all those who will hear this message recorded uh, and embedded in the website. Wherever you are, whichever country you will be downloading from, we bless you in Jesus' name in 2024. We pray that God will allow our paths to cross at some point. And if not, you have the word of God. You love Jesus. Be bold, be brave in 2024. God has given you one more year to do great things for him. He said, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that you know not. I want to tell you in 2024, it could be your best year for Jesus. You could do more for Jesus than you've ever done before. Like Samson killed more Philistines in his death than in his entire life. God can make this the most fruitful year for him ever. Believe it. Say amen. Hallelujah. Yesterday I shared with the church in the prayer meeting that King Hezekiah prayed to God. He wept. He said, remember how I've lived for you with a perfect heart. 
in truth and righteousness. You know, he, he was right. God did not contradict him. He was only 36 years old. So God gave him 15 more years. And I asked the question, if God gives you 15 more years, what will you do with it? God has allowed you to see 2024. What will you do with 2024? It may be your last year. I hope it isn't. May God add more than 15 years to your life. But if he doesn't, what will you do this year? I pray in Jesus' name that we begin this year with a bang like the, the fireworks of the New Year celebration. And may, may we not finish the year with a whimper. May we go out with a bang. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Do great things for God. Hallelujah. That's the best way to honor him for the time he has given you. Because the time belongs to Jesus. May you give a good account of the time he gave you in 2024. In Jesus' name. God bless you abundantly. Amen.